comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. TV podcast episode number 41 and uh it's a very special episode dc tv podcast because it's my birthday yes so i've declared martial law over all of north america happy birthday please don't <laughs> anyway happy birthday but we got another full week of dc tv this week of course four episodes uh one each of gotham the flash i zombie and arrow and uh Joining me in always are the mayoral candidates from Starling City. On the right, Mr. Daryl Taylor. I decline. The mayoral candidate of Starling City on the left, Mr. Richard Sheldon. Happy birthday oh, Lord. to you. And joining us uh, as a special guest this week from the Comic Rack Snark Fest, Snark Cast, and uh, all kinds of other uh, great podcasts on the Taylor Network, ladies and gentlemen. Miss Jerry Atkinson, how are you tonight, ma'am? I'm quite well, thank you for the applause. No, hold your applause. No, hold your applause. No thank applause. You. No applause. Hold applause till the end of the act, please. Yeah. And happy birthday. Well, thank you so much. Uh, I am full of uh, carnitas burrito, so I'm, I'm doing Whoa. quite well. Thank you. Whoa. But uh, as I said, we have a full slate this week. We better get right to it because we have a lot of DC TV to go over. Um, we're going to start with Gotham. Uh, it's episode five, Rise of the Villains, colon, Scarification. Not really, you know, literally the Court of Owls, but very close to that kind of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I love it. Yeah, love it kind it. of like brought that kind of mythos into this version of Gotham, which I thought was pretty interesting. Well, also, of, anytime that they go with like historical Gotham stuff, I love it. That's like, you know, when DC did that with, um, all-star western and everything it was just so cool to see the correlation and then i mean this is kind of like you said quarter owls but we're also getting like this whole new facet to gotham and it's i don't know i think it's a great storyline the start of the episode we're, we're seeing that penguin is losing his grip on power in gotham city awesome he's also kind of losing his grip period <laughs> pretty much because yeah what little grip he had to begin with <clears throat> Since you know, Galvin is still uh, has his mother kidnapped, and there's really nothing he can do about it, other than you know trying to find a way in, you know, with Tabitha and Theo, and you know figure out where his mom is. Just kind of is using, uh, you know, Penguin as a tool to get you know to, for his own ends. You know, is it, in part of his grand scheme that he's been putting together. Oh right, this is the scene where Penguin brings him a a, a bar uh, like a, a steamer trunk with a guy named Sid Bunderslaw inside. Well, uh, he's instrumental in Theo's next step, 
for domination, or actually his eye is. You're right. Another gross scene <laughs> we get yeah. of uh, him getting his eyes, eye gouged out. It, interesting, like, similar to the scene in Avengers, you know, where he had his eye gouged right. whatever. I, that's what I thought of when that scene happened. But also, um, there were some things in this episode that really um, kind of went over the top, especially, like, the supermarket for guns. I guess we'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> But, like, if there's any doubt as to, like, the camp sensibilities of this show, the whole sequence with the Merc and the supermarket for guns was, like... But it somehow it. works. I mean, we'll talk about it when we get there. Right, right. I, I love it. We uh, we get some time with, uh, with uh, you know, Lieutenant... Or Captain Barnes. Captain Barnes says the city council can suck his tailpipe. <laughs> <laughs> Gordon tells Barnes that the, the reason that that's the reason the Merc is, uh, you know... Sells heavy weaponry in the city because he's protect, protected by the city council. So uh, I guess that's where he's going to, you know, hit start hitting Penguin. It was weird because like the last episode, he was all like, "We're going to get Penguin, and Public Enemy number one," and like now he's kind of you know changed his focus a little bit. Did you guys? Yeah, it felt like it, it was a missing episode or something because you you would think that they're going to yeah. Jim was going to be squeezed trying to cover up what he did for the penguin and it kind of let him I kind of thought there'd be some leeway I kind of thought that would all come full simple towards the end of the season and that usually how like the plot builds and you think he's he's kind of off for the moment and then at the end it all comes back and it's mm-hmm. all on the line and then it's the season the cliffhanger I mean even in season one it's a miracle he didn't get in for all that stuff come on or pardon Eventually, somebody's going to have to answer for something, but Penguin, the way they're doing him, like, cinematography-wise, he's like Barnabas and freaking Dark Shadows. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a perfect, yeah. It's a, it's beautiful. It is beautiful. We, we also get a scene with Penguin, that, uh, as you mentioned, kind of beat, mercilessly beating um, this employee who tells him about the, court, the courthouse raid. Uh, and while you know, while it's all going on, uh, Penguin comes up with a plan. But like, it's just showing how nuts he is. Like, I don't know. In the first season, Penguin seemed very calculated. You know, like he was waiting for his opportunity. He took his opportunity. He could go crazy when he needed to. But since his mom's been kidnapped by Galavan, it just seems like he's been really like he's cracking oh, he even more him. so. Like, yeah. like the way he stabbed that mayoral candidate last uh, episode and stuff. Yeah, he's off his game. He's not thinking things through like he usually does. Beautiful. Well, I'm, I'm still kind of surprised last week that he did that himself and didn't, you know, have some of his goons or outsource it. And then he turns around and he outsources this whole thing this week and it backfires on him. Dude, observation. I didn't even think about that. I was just seeing him come unhinged and I was just wondering what was next. I wasn't thinking about what he was delegating and what he was taking on himself. But at this point, to me, anything is possible for Penguin. You know, whether it be delegating or planning, yeah. mm-hmm. actually instigating it, just because he's come unhinged. He's the ultimate mama's boy and you've taken one thing that matters to him. Yeah, right. And like he said in the last episode, you know, um, uh, you know, a year ago I was holding Fish Mooney's umbrella. Now I'm running Gotham, you know. Don't underestimate. Don't make, you know. They all underestimated me. Don't make the same mistake. I think Galavan might be doing it. I mean, he's, he's using him. For instance, uh, in the following scene, he um he goes to Penguin for an arson job, 
and um, he he um, sends Butch to talk to Selena about getting the Pike brothers, uh, who are the best arsonists in town, and uh, the their sister Bridget, oddly enough, ends up becoming Firefly. That's interesting. Too have a female Firefly. Yeah, it's it's an interesting. It's also interesting to like start this villain this far back in the timeline. You know what I mean? Already setting up that that Selena Kyle has a soft spot for people that have been wronged, for the underdog, that kind of thing. I mean, they've showed that before with Bruce, but they're really kind of reinforcing and Poison Ivy, but they're really reinforcing that. Right. Um, they have a big raid on the Merc. The Merc basically has a uh, a um. A supermarket for heavy weaponry and guns. They even have like attention shoppers, uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, intercom and stuff, and shopping carts, and like <laughs> it's just like it was crazy. Um, I was waiting. I I rewound it and looked in the background because I was like, the only way to make this scene even more perfectly camp is to have a replica of the bomb from the original '66 Batman movie up on a shelf somewhere. It says "bomb" on it. <laughs> Or either have have uh, Adam West run through holding a bomb above his head, running, <laughs> yeah. trying to get rid of it like he did in Batman in the movie. Yep. I was actually thinking of, like, Bill and Ted's, what was it, the the Bogus Journey, where they had Station? Yeah, yeah, shot. yeah. They were in whatever home store they were in, and they were getting all the things they needed. That <laughs> reminded me of that. <laughs> no. the, uh, the youngest Pike brother is blown to bits during the raid. And the other, the other, yeah, he tries to put uh, explosives down his pants. Doesn't quite work out for him. <laughs> right, when you're a professional, that happens, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, I always have explosives in my pants, you know what I mean? That's and... I, like, I like Barnes' <laughs> comment to go, what are you packing or whatever? What are you shooting with? The, the Pike brothers kind of force their sister to be their new uh, fire starter. Selena kind of has a soft spot for her and advises her to be, tells her to be strong, but, um, she doesn't take it the, the way Selene is intending. We then cut to the uh, most awkward fondue dinner date of all time, which which was more of an awkward double date. The uh, the Felicity, uh, Ray Palmer, Barry Allen, and Iris West double date, or or the uh, Enigma, Chris Crinkle, uh, <laughs> right. Lee no, and no, Gordon no. double date. The first one for sure, because this second one didn't get me in a Twitter flame war with feminists. Like oh. that one did, so. There's a Twitter flame war with feminists? We're, we're not, not going to go down We're not going to go down that road. Right? We're not going to go down that road. Great. I'll, I'll get the backstory. <clears throat> yes. But I'm going to go with the second one, but I can see why he would go with the first one, because of the stuff I missed from the first one. Uh, Bridget uh, burns her first building, and but uh, she still has like four or five more to go. They're all hitting that night. Gordon's trying to find a, t- a pattern to the fire, but uh, it's Penguin. He gets the real uh, skinny after the, the knife from uh, which his old friend of the neighborhood, Edwig, uh, fills him in on the history of the knife. And we hear this is where we get all the backstory of the five um, city, the five families that ruled Gotham's high society back in the day when the city first started. Okay. Uh, the Elliots. Which is a, an interesting reference to Hush. Yeah. Uh, the Crowns, the Canes. Uh, I guess that's a reference to Bob Kane. Uh, the Duke yeah. Of- well, uh, Bruce's mother is her maiden name was Kane. Right. That's- and Kathy Kane too was uh, the original uh, Batwoman's name. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, 
the Dumas, which is obviously a reference to uh, Alexander Dumas, the great adventure novelist of the 18th century, and the most powerful, the Waynes. We get the whole story of Celestine, Celestine Wayne uh, was promised to the eldest son of the uh, Elliot family, but uh, she was caught getting it on with Caleb Dumas. Uh, then Celestine accused Caleb of rape. Caleb got his hand sliced off by Jonathan Wayne with the very knife that is now in Penguin's possession. From then on, the Dumas family was destroyed socially and financially by the Waynes. They were driven out of town. And this I'm, is uh, yeah. this is where uh, they changed their name to, of course, Galvin. At this point in, in the show, I looked to my significant other and said, how many years ago did this happen? Oh, he's like, oh, hundreds. Why does this matter now? Oh, because rich people don't let shit go. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, no, you got to understand. He didn't just destroy... Uh, that you know that ancestor it was their whole legacy. I'm like, once again, how many years ago did this happen? <laughs> why do any? Why does anybody care? Never forget. Hey, look at the Hatfields and McCoys. How long did that go on? For many, many years. But that was in the South. You expect that pe- that people. <laughs> I can say that I'm from Texas. <laughs> I lived in Texas for 30 years. I understand. Sorry. <laughs> wow. They let you out, huh? I escaped. Never forget. Escaped as well. I escaped at, at, what, 17? So, yeah, never forget. Penguin loves the the story. He kind of now has the backstory on the Galavan and why he's doing all this. And uh, he decides to set his plan in motion by cutting off Butch's hand and telling him to infiltrate Galavan's organization by claiming Mm -hmm. to have escaped Penguin's paranoia. He's definitely lost it. You know oh, what? Man. Handless, I'm joining the group for real. I'm not going back. Uh, Gordon finally figures out that uh, all the places being targeted by arson are Wayne Enterprise Holdings. Yes. Him and Bullock go on a stakeout. Uh, Bullock has a uh, love scene with a chili dog. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, dude, if he's in it, so is a chili dog. That's kind of admirable. I like consistency. Yes. <laughs> the um, Bridget gets dropped off there in a new fire returning suit. The police surround her, and her brothers kind of abandon her and leave of her stranded. Uh, but she, so she starts up the flamethrower to, to try to get out, and in a scuffle, she kills one of the strike force officers from the strike force they got together last episode. Um, Gordon takes the death to heart, and uh, he decides to, you know finding this cop killer, you know, using all means necessary. Uh, so he, and he endorses Theo and as a result of this. Um, Theo heads home and the biggest surprise of all, the arrival of a mysterious figure named Father Creel. Creel is just as invested in Theo, uh, making, uh, in making Gotham City burn in revenge, involving Bruce in some way. We see these, uh, the, um, the, you know, the, this, uh, Father Creel and everything. And the name Dumas, wasn't that the name of the order that Asriel was was uh, part of the Order of Saint Dumas? Dumas, I think it was. Yeah, yeah, I think it was. Asriel, the guy who became Batman in the nineties, there briefly. Yeah. When after Batman got his Gene back Paul. broken. Yeah, Gene Paul, Valley. It's interesting. Yeah, so now we get the backstory on Galavan and why his motivation, you know, his motivation for what he's doing, you know. 
and why he wants Bruce under, why he wants uh, to control Bruce through Silver, and why he was burning all those things down. We get all the backstory in this uh, episode. But hurt some shit done like a hundred years ago. Yeah, that makes right. sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know all the people who wronged my family a hundred years ago. No, <laughs> no, wait, no, I don't. No, because I, I got a life and shit. I got stuff to do. You're right. So you got to understand the one percent. They 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 operate on a whole different level of, of logic than the rest of the world. I mean, to them, you know, that sounds very much. That sounds very much like a reference to our episode of I Zombie tonight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sound low, Jerry. Yeah. I don't think you know what this word means. I have to say, uh, out of that whole episode, what I came away with though is. The woman that was like the kind of the history person, and she told them the entire story. I don't like exposition in TV. I don't like exposition in books. I'm kind of like you know, if, you know, if you want to say the fat lady sings, just bring the fat lady out and let her sing. But I loved her job in giving that story. She was a masterful storyteller. Yeah, it wasn't too bad. I mean, as info dumps go, yeah. <laughs> it was it was fairly painless. Well, exactly, I liked you know. it. Yeah, I, I'd love to. I'd love to see more. Not not necessarily in that way, but I'd love to see more. Her tidbits, yes. Flashbacks of that time and everything. Because again, I really love these old Gotham stories. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I was really impressed by it. So, uh, what are your ratings on this episode of Gotham Scarification? I give it a three out of five. It was good. It was it was solid. I give it. I'm I'm saying a solid A. I mean, I, I really, really like this episode, and not just the episode itself, but the little things that it's set up to happen. You know, that I feel are going to pay off in big ways down the season. So, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Now, Jerry, um, uh, Daryl and I score on a number system, but uh, Rich likes to be different and score on a letter grade. So <laughs> you can you can do whatever you wish. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Rich. I'm gonna go. Well, I'm gonna go with Jerry Rich. I'm gonna go with the Superstar A as well. I mean, what this did on I don't just you know listen to the words and and progress the story. I take it all as a whole. And I hate to sound like a film nerd, but the cinematography, the way they shot the shadows and the I light, Penguin just freaking the crap out. Like I felt him come unhinged. Like I. Felt I don't I don't feel stuff usually. Ask Daryl. Yeah, <laughs> dead inside completely. His mania. Yeah. I felt his pathos. I felt his loss. I felt his confidence that regardless of what was would happen, he was Gotham's future and he was going to set things right. And that's what carried me through this episode. I love the exposition of I'm just going to call her the librarian, you know, for a be- lack of a better word, because that's what. She is to me. She's like the link to Gotham's past. And it almost reminded me of Sleepy Hollow, the way they kind of put it out there and filmed it like a movie. And it was, it was yeah, beautiful. Shakespearean. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give it an A. I just will. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it a four out of five. I really enjoy this uh, whole Rise of the Villains thing. I really am digging James Frame as uh, Theo Gallivan. Uh, I really think that that, that whole uh, storyline is really working well for him. Um it's, again, you're you're absolutely right. I, I think a lot of not only the cinematography and the writing and everything, but the actual acting that Robin Robin Lloyd uh, Lord Taylor is doing as the Penguin is really even you know far streets ahead of what he was doing last season. 
Um, it's really good stuff. I think it's really like found its niche. And again, you know, the scene with the Merc and everything, it just proves that like as violent and as dark and everything as, as it's gotten, it still has that kind of camp sense of humor, that kind of over the top sensibility uh, running through it. So uh, I think it's, it's really starting to like come into its own in the season. So I'll, just, I'll give it a four. Poor Butch. I know. Butch is going to end up just like, you know, shivin', shivin' the penguin or something. Haven't they Butch, who's this too, really? Like, haven't no, they done enough to him? I winced. I, I didn't, I like, I don't, I know they're not going to show it on network TV, but I still can't watch. I was mad because he hurt Butch. Like, he's already been neutered in the brain. I mean, I know, I already had Zaz work him over, right? Yeah. I felt bad because for some reason on Twitter, I saw that. Butch and Enigma and and uh, the Penguin, but the actors that play them. Oh, and Miss whatever her name is, the redhead. They Pringle. all did a charity walk for autism. Oh, <laughs> how can you walk with him, Butch? Charity <laughs> <laughs> had to do it. To speak to either my so night right. or, or the degree of their acting ability. <laughs> like uh. Oh, <laughs> poor Butch. I know, I know. Well, didn't you meet Robin Lord Taylor at some con? Yeah, they grabbed him in the bathroom, right? Me did, did, okay, so here's the setup. Me and Amy and I were sitting around, and I said I have to piss, because that's how a lady announced her intentions to yes, a group. Yeah, and Very Amy classy. came and yeah. said, I'll go. And we're sitting there, and I'm I'm admiring Amy's toenails. They're tiny little toenails with beautiful polish on them. And I look up, and there's this pale guy. And I'm like, you that dude from Gotham. Literally, she said, you that dude. <laughs> you that dude. He had only popped three bottles. So needless to say, I wasn't drunk. <laughs> <laughs> no, pedal no. No. <laughs> and I was wearing horns on my head because I'm that silly. Yeah, she was. Yeah, so I'm like, you're that dude from Blossom. And he put his hands together like the little humble prayer, like, yes, and bowed a little. (laughs) I knew that's when we owned him. Yeah, Yeah, so we made him stay. We let him go pee because we're nice. (laughs) See how nice they are. Dance. And they keep a hostage. They let you pee. He's like, may I please urinate? Yes, you may. (laughs) So we waited. We got pictures of each of us with them and then we came back to the group and we're like F-ers, check your facebook like, watch your language this is a family show isn't that what i said though <laughs> yeah it was <laughs> so they checked it they're like no and they're like where is he oh he's in the bar with his boyfriend and stuff or his husband and and all and yeah renee went and got him like thug style like we know who you are you won't see <laughs> Must come to the date. I will make you an offer we can't refuse. <laughs> and he then he was came. nice about it. Dude, Renee's hilarious. And when he saw us, he's like, oh, you ladies. I'm like, oh, you don't know us. <laughs> yes, he was a peach. Yeah, he was very nice. Very nice. Let's go on to the wonderful family story that is represented by the Snarts. <laughs> In our episode of The Flash this week, episode three of the new season... Oh, Family of Rogues, and uh, I just want to say right up front, Michael Ironside, one of my favorite character actors of all time, right up there with Clancy Brown and a few yep. others. I was really happy to see him as, as Papa Snart. Bad dad. <laughs> oh, yeah. He, he's an awesome <laughs> actor, though. 
Yeah. I just realized, with the exception of iZombie, this entire DC week has been nothing but daddy issues. Wow. That's true. Kind of like that, right? Yeah. Kind of like every strip club you walk in. Sorry. Uh, last last week, there was the theme of mayoral uh, danger. Yeah. <laughs> now this week, it's all daddy issues. Yeah. Interesting. Um, we start with the um before the uh the you know before the Flash title uh, sequence of Iris being shot at in an abandoned office building. You mean the Lois Lane sequence? I know that was. I was just gonna say that too. Dude. Yeah, that was such yeah. a Lois Lane. And uh, she calls Barry on the phone. It's like, uh, uh, "Hi, I'm being shot at by these guys in this building or whatever." And she, and he's like, uh, "Is is there a window?" And he's and she says, "Yeah." And he goes, "Go ahead and jump out it." <laughs> she's like, what? <laughs> and, he, and he's all like, Iris, do you trust me? She said, yeah. And she's getting shot at. Said, yeah. Well, jump out the window. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so she does. And, of course, Barry is there to uh, grab her and set her mm-hmm. back on the ground. Uh, she, you know, He asks how many guys are up there. And she says, two. He comes back with their guns. And he says, well, now the two guys are taking a nap <laughs> until Central City PD can come by. And then he, I had, uh, yeah, I had to rewind this and watch it. I, I thought it was such a good sequence. It was cool. I like what they do with their limited, uh, what must be limited CGI budget. Yeah, I mean the effect of him running up there, catching her, and running back down looked really great. There was that one like half second or whatever where he's at the top of the arc when he kind of stops and turns, yeah, and then goes back down. I thought that was really cool. Um, then we get the flash title card, and then we uh, we cut to Star Labs. We're pretty much at the end of last episode, although uh, uh, we find out that um, Lisa Snart is is there. Ooh, she hot. You ain't lying. Oh, no, actually, they see her in the uh, in the coffee shop first. Cisco sees her. Yeah, Cisco sees her in the coffee shop, and uh, so, you know, it's like Lisa Snart, and uh, she says, "I need your help, Cisco." And Cisco says, "Yeah, sure, I'm sure you I mean, do." Right? I mean, I know you almost got my brother killed, but damn. Yeah, <laughs> I I I really like this whole thing with with those two characters and that it's going to be a reoccurring thing. I just I I I think it's awesome the way that they interact yeah. to it. I can yeah, see that. them doing something where Cisco gets in trouble and she comes to help him. Yep, be, yep. And his brother will hate it. Yeah, probably. Oh, yeah. The um, it, it's interesting too how it bookends with that very last scene with her and Cisco. Mm-hmm. You know, she rides off on a motorcycle and stuff. But, you know, he says, well, what, I'll just call the Flash then. I'm not going to worry about this. She goes, fine, call the Flash. I need his help, too. Barry's sitting there at the table, and then it's all kind of strange. Uh, we all cut to Star Labs, and uh, Lisa's telling them that her brother's been kidnapped, and they need her help, and they need, uh, she needs their help to get him back. So they're like, right, whatever, because, of course, it's Lisa Snart. They're not going to believe her. So uh, they're able to track the cold gun through uh, thermal technology and find out that uh, Leonard Snart is in the middle of a job right now, stealing some blueprints. So Flash, like, runs in, and he's like, I'm here to save you. And it's like, uh, I don't really need saving right now. I'm in the middle of stealing his blueprints. You know, kind of weird. His, uh, we, we see, for the first time, Papa, Sm- Papa Snart, Captain Cold, zaps the Flash from the, like, the, almost, like, probably the chest emblem down. Barry's, like, shivering all the body temperatures, you know, leaving his body, all the body heat, and, uh, you know, Michael Ironside's like, oh, I didn't think he had it in you, boy. And they uh, they leave Flash there to his fate. But it turns out Cisco has built into Flash's suit uh, microthermal technology that heats up the outside of the suit, I guess, to melt ice. Of course. 
he was uh, prepared after the last time. So I mean, it should be pretty much standard issue in any superhero costume. But what does Cisco make anyway? Because he's magic. <laughs> so they go back and tell Lisa what they found, and uh, Lisa's like, "Man, something must really be bad if he's helping our dad because we both hate our dad." And yeah. she intimates that, you know, uh, they were both abused by him as children. And that actress does a really good job of, of conveying the emotions of dealing with growing up in that environment in the way she's describing things. Yeah. I thought it was really good, really well done. Up in the hood. We get uh, the first of two scenes of Barry bumping into Patty Spivak at the uh, coffee shop. Like okay, get whole, a room. I know, it's like the whole meet-cute thing. You know, it's like, ah, it's, oh, it's just such it's a meet-cute. Okay, we get it. We get it. Get it. You know? You're digging. We get it. We get it. They, they like each other. Okay, we understand. But um, it's puppy love. Come on. The, and the uh, the first, this is uh, also where we get the first scene of Joe talking to Francine, Mrs. Uh, West. Yeah. And uh, turns out Francine wants to be part of Iris's life now. Mm-hmm. And Joe tries to pay her off. He gives her like an envelope full of money and says, "Here, take this. Be out of start. You know, be out of the central city in forty-eight hours." And uh, Francine's like, "You know, I've, I'm different now. I've cleaned up. I want to be part of my daughter's life." Oh, she was on that stuff. She's on that stuff. That was right. And uh, that utopium uh-huh. <laughs> from my zombie. <laughs> but um. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, but Joe had been telling Iris this whole time that she had died. So Joe is conflicted. At, you know, I mean, obviously he's gonna have to tell Iris the truth, but he doesn't want to because he's afraid he's gonna drive her away. And he tells he confides in Barry all this, and Barry you know, tells him, you know, you know, hey, I, you know, you have to trust in the good person that you've raised Iris to be, that she will forgive you. And he's like, I, I guess you're right. So he's, you know, that's his kind of internal conflict this uh, this episode. Uh, Joe and Barry get pulled out on a case where a guy's head uh, has been exploded off of his body from an internally placed explosive. So and, great. Yikes. Yeah, it's, hey, Escape from New York, dude. Uh-huh. Everything goes back to Escape from New York. Totally. Scanners. Yep. Well, no, Escape from New York had the little explosives in your bloodstream that would pop your veins. And, yeah, scanners and scanners just, had your, you know, had your ESP that make your mind explode. But. Yeah. Things happen. Both I've awesome seen it. Don't, don't forget the less than thirty minutes movie or whatever with the pizza guy with the his neck. No idea what he's talking about. I don't know. Anyway, um, that the murder scene, they realize that you know if this guy's a known uh, associate of Snart, that maybe Lisa has a similar implant, and uh, they scan her, and sure enough, there is a thermite bomb uh, lodged in her bloodstream, like right in her neck. I like how they tell her, like what. What's in what's in my neck? What are you saying? And they're like, "Don't worry about it. We got it. Don't hey. don't worry." Now uh, they're down a tech guy. Barry decides to go undercover. <laughs> Boy, <laughs> you can't play undercover. bad. Oh man, yeah, can't no, all. no, can't at all. Um, he meet you know, and uh, he, as their tech new tech guy Sam, uh, who had worked, who he says so uh, had worked with Leonard before. Um, Leonard like kind of vouches for him, but Papa Snart is not yeah. having it. He did great acting badly. Oh, that was yes, that was terrible. <laughs> yeah, the only totally thing terrible. missing was he tried to break dance. If he tried to break dance, that would have been the only only thing missing. <laughs> the um, the whole uh, plot revolves around them going 
uh, disguised as uh, janitors into the building where they're going to steal these diamonds. Um, Barry has to pull a flash mirror to uh, save two guards from getting okay. killed. He also uses a super speed to save himself from getting shot by Papa Snart. Once they get past the security system, he's supposed to take down. Um, at the exact same time, Cisco has made a gun pull the bomb out of Lisa Snart's neck. Yeah, that's what he does. You know, a gun. He's a little uh, concerned about whether it'll work or not. Uh-huh. Um, there's you know, Barry, uh, Barry, uh, you know, Barry's keeping him apprised of the crime scene, of course. Uh, as the heist is going on, um, at the same time, you know the uh, you know the the flash comes in. Uh, Captain Cole has him, you know, dead to rights in his cold gun, and yep. his dad is holding the controller for the bomb for his sister. And as he's holding the controller, you know, there's kind of a Mexican standoff. Cisco radios to uh, to Barry that they did it. They pulled the bomb out of yeah. Lisa. Well, he made him have to do it. Like he he kind of stepped up his flash he turned in the flash and he was like i'm you know we got to do it and he was scared to pull the trigger yep they pull the they pull the bomb out uh papa snart gets uh our captain cold turns the cold gun on his dad sure did and like just like kills him by freezing his heart pretty badass it was very just walks over and kind of takes the cold gun from him and says, you know, you're going to have to... He goes, why, why did you do it? You had him dead to rights. You didn't have to kill him. And uh, Captain Cole says, he broke he broke my heart and he broke my sister's heart. It's only fair to break his. Yeah. You know what? At this point in my head, I thought, damn, that was cold-hearted. And then I... Uh, <laughs> see what you did there. See what you did there. Wow. It was awful that I even thought that, right? Yeah. But it was cold-hearted, so it worked out. <laughs> hey, I didn't ask you, puppy. He ends up in Iron Heights, and uh, uh, Barry talks to him over the telephone. He, he, ironically, he used to talk to his dad over right. uh, at Iron Heights prison and tells him you know, that he he knows there's some good in Snark because you know, he is willing to do anything to save his sister. Yeah, you get the flash speech, because they used to do right. comics as well. Like They would yep. have that. Conversation. Someday you'll learn the error of your ways. <laughs> and then uh, Cisco gets a nice goodbye scene with Lisa Snart as she takes off on a motorcycle. Show did. Now let's talk about the Caitlin and Jay Garrick ship. Mm. <laughs> Here's Jay Garrick. Damn. <laughs> trapped, <laughs> trapped in another dimension. Trapped in a world. A speedster with no speed. Right. Trapped in a world. And they find out that the biggest dimension uh, gate portal is in the bottom of Star Labs. Mm-hmm. So they're trying to figure out some way to uh, to stabilize it. And he builds this like giant gizmo with Caitlin's slingshot. Help. Yeah, cannonball. They, they call it the the speed cannon. All right. Um, that'll go between Earth two and our Earth. So uh, there are these nice little scenes with him and Caitlin. Caitlin's kind of got a thing for him. Um. He he has asks her to help with the construction and she does, and then he's like, "Well, I think I better test it out and go home." And she's like, "Do you really have to go home right now? Because you know I'm kind of we're kind of needing some help with Zoom and you know and very and you know everybody like talk, they talk him into staying until they deal with Zoom, All right?" And suddenly it was clean up on aisle three. Well. 
I don't know what he means by that. I don't know either. I, I don't know where to go. More stuff I have to edit out. Yay! <laughs> Look at you dead. Uh, we get the scene with Joe where he tells Iris about her mom, and Iris, you know, kind of, you know, he breaks down. Very all touching. the feels in this episode, and uh, Iris, you know, explains it's okay. I understand you know, what you did and why you did. Yes, because you forgot to go through another. Oh no, I'm mad at you, Dad. I will not talk to you for another couple episodes. We cannot do that again. Yeah, I was worried they were going to stretch it out, but no, they nipped that in the bud. Right. Uh, she was like, "No, I forgive you," or whatever. So they can move on with that storyline now. Professor Stein, after having collapsed before, it turned out his blood pressure was too high. Mm-hmm. Um, he had to take a few days off to rest or whatever, but he's back in the game. But we all know what it really was, though. Yeah, we all know. He's running a little hot, maybe. Yeah. Um, but as he's like standing in front of where this dimensional portal is in the bottom of Star Labs, he uh, combusts. First in a blue flame, like a white, whitish blue flame, and then in the red uh, flame of Firestorm. He looks like Firestorm. Yes, he does. The way he, you know, like kind of blossoms in fire, and All then right. collapses to the ground. Collapses to the ground. Very interesting. Yes, it must be too. And for the stinger for this episode, we see the first person that gets to walk through the. Um, Speed cannon, as it were, the portal between Earth 2 and Earth 1, is none other than the Earth, we assume, the Earth 2 Harrison Wells. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm thinking that if it's in the basement of Star Labs on Earth 1, it, it must connect to the Earth 2 Star Labs, right? Could be. It could. So he probably that, discovered it. That would be the obvious choice, but do they always obvious on the show? No. Right. No. And we don't even know if... Me- you know, maybe the Eobard Thon of the Earth 2 dimension is currently in the Harrison Wells of Earth 2. Could be. And we right. would know. Like, we, they'll play him off as like, no, I'm Harrison Wells, the good from Earth 2. I was never possessed or whatever. But then they could always, you know, it could always go the other way. So, I figured they brought through a Harrison Wells version. They brought through another speedster. You really can't discount any possibilities. Right. So I'm trying to make any assumptions. I would I would go with you guys' first choice, but I, I don't know if I want to discount anything right now. Yeah, Barry will be mad. But... Now, they did show the Earth 2 Harrison Wells in the last episode at the end. Mm-hmm. So Without maybe, uh, glasses and, and... Right, well, yeah. It kind of was uh, dressed more like Tony Stark would have. Right. Kind of the playboy, bachelor playboy. Um, and he had glasses, but they were up on his head. And in this, when he walks through the time cannon or whatever, he has no glasses on. He's dressed similarly, though. I think he's wearing like a smoking jacket or something. And that's the end of The Flash, episode three. The death of Papa Snart. Yeah. It's interesting where they have Captain Cold now, you know, you know vis-a-vis the um, Legends of Tomorrow story coming up. I don't even think he's going to make it to the other prison. They'll probably get out before that. I'm thinking Mick is going to bust him out. Mick and his sister yeah. bust him out. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. But I mean, there are those other rogues out there, and he, you know, they all owe him favors for getting them out. So they sure do. So, what do you guys give? What What is your grade for this episode of the Flash episode? Uh, I'd have to say on this one, it's another solid A. I mean, it 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 was written very well. Very well done. Um, I liked a lot of the dialogue. I really, I really like Peyton List as uh, Lisa Snart. I thought that her acting uh, 
really showed through. I mean, I've liked her. I mean, she was Lucy Lane in Smallville. She was uh, Jane Sterling in Mad Men, you know, and she's just always really been a very good actress. And I love the dynamic that is building between her and, and Cisco and to see that payoff at some point it's going to be really nice and i i love that look on his face when she kissed him before she left on the motorcycle great episode uh give it i'll probably give it a 3.5 is it was another it was as good as last week's episode i mean it wasn't a level major things happened so i'm not gonna give it an a like a high high score for this but it was it was a solid you know continuing of the story it was really it had a lot of good parts Nothing to complain about, really. Um, except for the patty. It, the cutesy patty stuff. A little too long with that. But other than that, uh, it was it was, it was was solid. Daryl? Yes? You, you're a slut. <laughs> Shut up. Sorry. I was uh, channeling Dan Aykroyd. Um, no, I... It's a rock-solid A. I don't know how anyone can watch The Flash, even now. The first season was just hitting it out of the park. But even now, it's not just progressing the story. It's joyful. I mean, this yeah. this movie, I mean, this, this shows, it, it shows like a movie. It makes me smile. The characters are ones I want to succeed. I mean, he's a freaking schoolboy, but he doesn't make me want to vomit at all. He's so straight-laced. He's so good-intentioned. His villains are, are tragic, to say the least. Cisco is just, like, the ultimate nerd that we can all see ourselves being someday. It's, it's a joyful show. It's a happy show. Even when they're in the most dire of straits, I still know they're going to come out of it. Because he's the Flash. <laughs> I don't know how anybody could go less than an A on this one. Unless you don't like joy in your life. I think you're an old man, Daryl. I think everybody needs to get off your lawn. Hey, you don't just. I don't. <laughs> I save A's big for the for the big stuff. You know what? I don't. I'm not a huge joy proponent. I'm not out there singing. Yeah, I work out every day. I'm happy. I'm sore as fuck. But when I see something that makes me happy, I kind of latch on to it because that shit is rare. Go flash. Boom. <laughs> I got you. Boom. <laughs> Might drop. Yeah. I give it a four point five, which would be an A in letter grades. Uh, I thought it was awesome. Michael Ironside was awesome. Uh, Wentworth Miller, as always, as uh, as uh, Captain Cold, is awesome. It was a great episode. The way the story was told. Uh, Barry trying to be, go undercover was like hilarious. <laughs> um, I don't know the whole bit with Joe and, and Iris and Iris's mom was really good and handled well. I thought. You know, they didn't you know, spend too long on it and everything. Uh, really enjoyed it a lot. 4.5. Okay, since uh, Jerry doesn't watch iZombie, let's skip to Arrow, and then we'll do iZombie last. Okay. okay. Is that cool? Okay. Yes. Well, guys, it's Team <laughs> OGA, Original Arrow, Original right. Green Arrow. It's Diggle and Ollie and Felicity. Back the way it was. Back in the old days. Back in the old days. Back in the Disney. Laurel and Thea are off on their spa trip to wonderful Nanda Parabat. Yeah. <laughs> with a well, corpse. Yeah. And a lot of daddy chick. issues. With a dead chick and a bunch of daddy issues. <laughs> a whole lot. We knew as soon as we seen her die that she was going to get into the Lazarus pit somehow, some way. We knew that. I mean, we're not newbies here. 
Plus, I mean, we knew when we saw her in Legends of Tomorrow in the preview that yeah, somehow, somehow right. that she would yeah. be back. You know, yeah, that kind of helped. And somehow yeah. she would be back in some yeah. way, shape, or form. So, or the little light uh, that went over uh, her sister's head when she realized that you have a pit that could bring people back to life. That kind of oh, gave it away. Oh, yeah. What shall I do? There are two main storylines in this episode. The first is with Ollie and Diggle and Felicity. Mm. Diggle has some shoes with Ollie. Diggle has more issues than a Barnes & Noble with Ollie. Oh, my gosh. He's He's still not over this bit, even though Lila is over it. She was the one who was kidnapped. Like, I'm the one with the gun to my head and the whole thing. Yeah, she's the one who got kidnapped. Left over? I think men feel it's always, like, for the first time. So she's acting logistically sound. He's acting like a bitch on prom night that got stood up. <laughs> he is. <laughs> Sorry. That's my take. If anyone should be mad or indignant at Ollie, it should be Lila. Not right. not Diggle. And Lila's over it. Yeah. So I would think Diggle would be over it, you know? Oh. I don't know. No, if anybody should be bad, it should be uh, Razagul's daughter. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Stuck her with uh she is totally mad. With the dude that killed her girlfriend. I mean there, it, it is totally hey, she she is totally mad. You'll see that later. Yeah, she is and she uh, does what she does. Yeah. Uh, the opening scene is, is Diggle and Ollie uh fighting fighting some members of of Hive. Um they aren't working too well together though. No. Diggle's not real happy that, that Ollie is back in the picture. Although we do see that Diggle's little helmet has like motorized windows. Did you see that? Yeah, I did. did you see that stuff. It just <laughs> makes it even goofier. It makes it even. I know it makes it even dumber. I'm just like, oh, what? Is it, a little flag's gonna come out of the side now, or sparkling? I, 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 I don't know how many episodes had been in the can once they started this season, but I'm hoping whatever the episode after the first one aired is being shot. They realize from all the feedback on the internet that they need to dump that stupid helmet. Yeah, Darth Helmet needs to go. <laughs> Darth Helmet. It sounds like MF Doom to me a little. <laughs> yeah, it does kind of look like MF Doom. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like a heads up. <laughs> it's like, get it out of here. Ollie and Diggle have a, have a fight, and uh, Felicity has to kind of t- step in and say, yo, listen to me. You know, she is like. Yeah. Well, they wants- never stop fighting, actually. Right. She kind of like, she kind of calls both of them on the carpet. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, but you know, you gotta work this stuff out between you guys. Blah blah blah. blah. She sits them both down. It's like this is where you shut up, and this is where I talk. Yeah, right, she exactly. Did say that. Well, Oliver's like, I, I said sorry. I mean, how many times do you want me to right. say sorry? So it's it's the OTA, but not quite. He goes back to uh, Diggle goes home, and uh, Lila and the baby aren't there. But there is an Argus agent waiting for him there. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone who called in a favor, uh, Lila called in a favor for him uh, a long time ago, but I mean, because of where he was and what he was doing, he couldn't repay the favor till now. And it was a lead on who hired Floyd Lawton to kill his. Does anybody lock doors anymore? I don't know, man, but I would think after Lila and uh, the baby had been kidnapped once, I'd be building Fort Knox around the house. You, know? you think, <laughs> right? Yeah. It would be like The Walking Dead. There would be like a nine foot wall around the house, and <laughs> all locked up. and retina scan to get in there and stuff but no i guess not and uh, he's like oh by the way your your wife and daughter are out I'm like, where do you take a baby in the middle of the night where do you go clubbing oh you'd be surprised in new york there's always a baby out after <laughs> not, 
Oh really? <laughs> I, mind. I, I don't know where these people go with these babies, but it, I, I don't take babies anywhere at night. <laughs> it don't matter what time of night I come home after drinking. There's always the babies on the train. Hey, they like the nightlife. But I uh, do. They like the boogie. Explains that there's somebody's baby, like like even after 9 p.m. Somebody brings an infant into whatever rated R movie. It is. That's what they. I think that's what they do. They go to all the rated R movies. They're like. I'm drunk now. Let's take this baby out. This <laughs> <laughs> reminds me of that Dave Chappelle bit about, you know, the baby's out selling weed on the corner. <laughs> Basically, I got mouths to feed. I got mouths to feed. Baby, baby got it. This oh sounds God. like only a phenomenon from New York. Maybe it's like some alien race that have inhabited babies and are forcing these parents to take them. I don't know, but I got to find this race of aliens and we got to tell them they have to go because... Oh, I thought you were going to say you are going to procreate with them because, you know, Shatner Law. I don't... <laughs> <laughs> either, either shoot them? I don't know if I want my baby. Well, if the babies are outside, they're not in the house crying or making noise. No. That's okay. true. So. Oh, I'm just saying. <laughs> it's good to have babies with those aliens. Well, I mean, somebody's got to do it, you know? And if you're the big captain of the big old enterprise, you might as well hit that, right? Yeah, tell the baby, go outside. Hey, take a dollar, go outside. Take, take my Metro card. Go go watch a movie. <laughs> I, have no idea. I have no idea where we got, where we got, or how we got, where we got. Jerry's fault. I've been following a little bit. Way, and I can't believe we got to where we got. I don't know. This is what happened. I'm going to reel it in a little bit here, okay? Reel it in. The woman that... Um, Hired Floyd Lawton to kill her, uh, his brother. It so happens to be in town to see yeah. Mr. Damien Dark. Yeah. He brings in a, a meta who has tattoos of, of playing cards all over his body. Uh, double down. I like been... to play cards. Yeah. Now, I have yeah. a question, and, and I'm not sure if it's this scene or the later one after he fails or whatever, mm. but when they first approach Damien Dark... He's finishing up with that knife, you know, and the little sacrifice altar thing that he has going on that we saw last week. Right. Uh-huh. I haven't gone back and looked at it because I just thought of this as we were getting ready to record, but that looks like the knife from Gotham. Maybe they, you know, like passed it over. As so I'm wondering if it was like a little, you know, little nod or Easter or egg or something. Yeah. Could be. It could be, or they just oh. make all the sacrificial knives look the same. True, yeah. Or a knife is just a knife. Yeah. One well, thing, maybe that Merck store like sells. It's like their hot seller or yeah. something. Probably. Yeah. It is funny that Diggle did the the Oliver sound. He did the Oliver growl when he asked questions. At least he tried to. Tried is more. Before he got electrocuted. And they're trying to track down this woman. Uh, they run into Double Down uh, instead. <laughs> Double Down sound like a sandwich. <laughs> it is, actually. Oh, that's right. um, they have a fight, and uh, Green Arrow gets a card in his bicep, and Diggle's caught in a firefight, and they escape. And most importantly, is they didn't work together on the same that's case. Right, exactly. They didn't have each other's backs. That's right. They didn't have each other's backs. Because as uh, Diggle says, you know, I. I would take a bullet for you. I don't know if I would now. Yeah. There was a time I would take a bullet for you, but now I don't, I don't know if I would. I don't love you like I used to. 
I really hated that whole. I know that was, bit of dialogue. It was there was a lot of bro bro feelings. It was a little too much bro yeah. feelings. I mean, it's fine that they went this route, but like we said before, they should have uh, done this a lot sooner than now and less CW ish. It's to the point now. It's like, look, <laughs> Diggle, enough, enough. How old are you? Being an adult. I think they they they've been through enough that they literally may have to like preschool lay it out. I'm saying it's... there's lines that you see. What you don't understand, Daryl, is you don't have any little human beings walking around. Somehow you avoided that. Oof, there's a struggle. You have no use. If I mini me, well, which I do, but they're like more than me. (laughs) Right. If I had mini me's at that age and somebody had, I don't know, taken one. For any way, shape, form, reason, cause, I don't give a. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> now she censors herself. Now she censors That's the cardinal thing you can't do against another human being. Your seed is yourself. You see them as yourself. When you take something like that from someone, it doesn't matter what you were at any point in your life. You're now an alien. Okay. Now- well, yeah, but this is the father, the the person that the child came out of has gotten over it he needs to get over it on i hear what you're saying but i'm a woman i gave birth i dropped my seed and i was over it the dad was still trying to recoup that whole it's out and it's a living thing like months later so i get that men take a little more time to adjust women can move on women feel hurt women process hurt Men kind of walk it off and watch the game. And All right, walk it off, shake it off. <laughs> they say they move on, but they really, really don't. Look, you shake it off, and then you go home, and then you cry in a ball. Rub some dirt on it and do some laps around the All track. Right. And then you cry. <laughs> you cry when no one's watching. Don't cry. <laughs> I, I think, I mean, yes, it was CW. And yes, it was hard to watch because I'm like, <laughs> put on your big girl panties, Diggle. <laughs> I kind of understood it because if there's a species on the planet that really doesn't deal with their emotions when they're happening, it's probably the male animal. I don't know what you're talking about. Go eat some spaghetti. Males are not a species. There are males of species. They're the creatures that inhabit a space on the earth, and I don't think... (laughs) As we digress. Well, let me change the subject then because I have a question. Oh, yeah, please do. I have a question about Double Down. I only remember Double Down from where he appeared in the, I think it was Countdown or 52 or something like that. I don't. Is, don't mix he, them up with the tattoo man. That's who I'm thinking of. No, don't. He's on the tattoo I'm pissed at the tattoo man because why did he have to look like freaking Gambit? Come on. The, the da- Double Down dude, He the, what was on his arm is what... It's, it's I get what that, was... but why did it have to be a playing card? Why did he have to so resemble Gambit that I was like, why is Gambit Isn't on? that what he looked... I can't... Or, did he Double Down look like that? I think he looks something like that. I don't know. I just... I, I, I thought he was in 52, but... No, the Tattoo Man was in... Tattooed Man. Was, um... But his was different. His was whatever tattoo they put on his body, he can make. Because I read that Jeff Johns had created him with Ethan Van Skyver earlier, but I didn't see anything else other than he he was cursed with, uh, or he he won a he killed a man that cheated in a poker game and got stuck with a cursed deck of cards on his skin. 
right. or something. Well, this you know, guy's, shoot this guy's out. origin is totally different than that. Right. Yeah, this, well, this guy was getting a tattoo when he, the whole Star Labs explosion happened, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just was wondering what else he was in in the comics, because I thought I was thinking that 52, and that wasn't even him, so I, I, I can't. I was trying to place him. He was in Jeff Johns' run of The Flash. I remember that. Mm-hmm. Which makes sense of him using him here. He was a compulsive gambler. That's what's his thing. That's, that's, that's why he, with the card thing. And then the, the deck of cards got cursed. Yeah, it was more of a magical was, origin in the comic. Right. It was, and it was owned by a man he murdered, and it bonded to his skin. So it, it so he can use it to kind of throw the cards from his skin into people and make them solid. And this was in Jeff Johns' run that ended right before Flashpoint? Mm, no, I'm thinking the, no. the older Jeff Johns' oh, okay, run before, before Rebirth. Further back. I don't I don't think I've read that one. This is in, out, he came out of my I think Jeff Johns' Flash I read was bef- right before Flashpoint happened. This came, did you read the one-shot, the Iron Gates one? Yeah, I did. Mm-mm. That's, there was a, it, it was a really good story. It was a one-shot where it basically called Flash Iron Gates, where you go, it takes you into the prison and shows you the various villains and that's a precursor for who the Flash is going to have to deal with. And it was just called Iron Gate? And it was called Flash, Iron colon, Heights. And Iron, Iron Heights. Iron Heights. I'm going to have to see if they have That's it. where Gerda Jeff Johns, was long before, um, before uh, Green Lantern Rebirth or Flash Rebirth, long before that, he had a nice long run. Uh, I think, what, Scott Collins on art for some most point of, of that? Yeah, most most of the art on that? Um, where they, you know, they they introduced the, the new um, Professor Zoom and Solomon, Hunter Solomon. They they really upped the rogues in a lot of ways. They made yep. them like much more a part of the story. Um, they went back. And this to, was Wally, not. Uh, yeah, and this was Wally, not Barry. But I mean, Jeff Johns wrote the Flash for years before right. he got like elevated, out, you know, to where he is now in, in the DC. Yeah, I don't think I read him back. Read it back then. Yeah, those are some good comics. Actually, too. Wally, this Barry is a lot more like Wally is in the Jeff. I agree. Story. Well, I yeah, because Wally would be Wally the kind of guy to make a deal with Leonard Snart, and yeah. Barry totally, I don't think would be. He didn't have related. The, the thing was, Barry had died so early on. Wally had been uh, the protector of Keystone for so long. He made deals with certain villains that were not murderers, but you know, like he would still take them to jail. But he had a similar deal of, you know, I won't go out of my way to come after you if you make sure that you don't, you know, you don't kill. I won't have to come down on you hard as you know as hard as I can. And that's kind of what they're doing with the with the Captain Cole and stuff now. We get another scene with Damien Dark and Double Down and this woman Mina. Damien says he wants another demonstration and he asks Double Down to try to kill him. Right. Double, Double Down shoots a card in him. He uses the force. Mina says something about how um, they, there's no way they're ready to move ahead with Phase 3 called Genesis. And then uh, you know, he kind of plays with, um, Dark kind of plays with a card. Uh, it looks like telekinesis almost. Mm-hmm. And then he uses that card to kill Mina. You know, every time I see him keep killing all these minions, I, I keep thinking to myself, why do you hire? And I think the audience probably would start asking yeah. if he doesn't do this yet. Why would you work for him? <laughs> why would you work for him? He could just go and, and him to Dark, stop sending people, go kill him yourself. Why don't you just go kill the arrow on your own? Right. You're more powerful than 
when you fought the arrow the first time, you couldn't beat he couldn't beat you. Like he basically you just left. And that's right. how he, you know he got away. Like if you didn't but you decided to walk away. So they there has got to be some reason. Like I in the show, yeah. eventually they have to say something to to the point of why does he just keep sending and hiring and spending all this money sending people after the arrow when he can just go and take arrow out himself. I just figured he was crazy as hell. Well, he is crazy as hell. Yeah. <laughs> like, why do crazy people do stuff? Let's see. But he's more, I mean, he keeps killing his own people. It's like you're wasting your energy killing your own when you could just... Why wouldn't you play the long game if you're crazy as hell? It's all I a guess. game to you, right? It, well, I, that's the thing. We don't know what it is to him. I, it just, I just assume he was bug nuts crazy. I just hope it's not another doomsday machine at the end that they have to go to the arrows to stop. (laughs) Because that is a theme that they're doing, running a little too long on. That seems to be the theme of every superhero everything. Like, there's always a doomsday machine that they have to get to to stop. And that's the movies, that's the shows. Not in Watchmen. Only in Watchmen. That's the only... It's already too late by the time they get there. Right. Right. Most men comic book movie and, and story ever. Yeah. It, it literally is. It's a yeah. comic book movie lampooning comic book sagas forever. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> you know, so whatever they do, you can't take that as canon. We uh, then cut to Felicity at uh, Palmer Tech. Uh, she and Mr. Holt are talking and Mr. Holt is showing off some of the things he has made, mm-hmm. including a certain silver sphere with a T on it. Yeah. They can't spheres. They cannot... <laughs> It's too expensive, but oh, most okay. of the stuff, yeah, they make it too expensive. They uh, have a high definition uh, uh, contact lens that only costs two hundred thousand dollars a pair. And again, <laughs> and again, I have the thing. I question is, you're not just going to sell this to Central City. I mean, to Star out- City, you're going to sell this military to the world. Applications. Come on, hmm? military applications. Well, any That's yeah, any and all like any any and all private companies, private tech companies would buy that. I mean, that's they have a bigger budget. I mean, not, they make they keep they keep portraying it as if they're only selling products in Star City. Victor Von Doom would have his arms all over that shit. Of course he would. <laughs> you have your own floating iPhone. Lou. Pretty much. The, yeah. um, the, the, the cheapers work the way they did in the comic, though. That'll be that'll be interesting. Yeah, um, because that would uh, I think Daryl brought up last time that would really help out Team Arrow the as far as not being detected by you know cameras and digital yeah. surveillance. Nico can take that damn Negro yes. uh, Magneto Just pack a T square. About who was in the grave that Ollie was visiting? We did. Like, we did talk we about that. Yeah, we speculated. Do you have a theory? Do you guys vote just for GP? I was saying it wasn't going to be. I I think it's it's either going to be uh, Captain Lance or or even uh, Black Canary. Okay. What do you? What do the rest of you think? I think it's going to be either Diggle or Captain Lance. Mm. Okay. I was thinking either Lance or Thea. I'm going to throw my hat in the ring, and I don't want this to be true because I would be pissed off, but. I'm just going to say it's Felicity Smoke because Arrow can never be happy. If hmm. Arrow's happy, we don't have a show. 
If he's damaged, we have a show. If, if Felicity dies, we riot. <laughs> I'm not saying you're not right. I, I Dude, I'm Team Daryl on freaking Walking Dead, okay? I know what you're saying, but Felicity Smoke is a red shirt. Do we know her in the comics? Do we know her as a character? Does she evolve? Or is she the tragic love interest that Ollie loses to further become the Green Arrow? Oh, she she was supposed to be only like a one or two episode character anyway. But they so, made her regular. Because she's awesome. And my future ex-wife. Well, they're going to have a female in, in the I mean, they're just you got to think of it TV-wise. They're going to have, um, there's no way they're going to do a TV show like this. And not have any female leads in the black canary when she's resurrected from the white canary. Um, but she's not going to be in Arrow. She's going to be in Legends of Tomorrow. Yeah, yep. she can guest like Angel did with Buffy, even after he left the show. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of crossover there. Yeah, but they're going to be a right. Re- I mean, but there has to be a regular regular. I mean, I throw my hat in the ring. I'm not trying to start controversy uh-huh. or. Vision in the ranks. I think they're gonna break them up, though. I can see something I'm happening that breaks them up. Be gone. <laughs> I can, I can, I can see that. I, I think eventually Palmer showing back up alive is what's gonna cause tension and break. Them I don't up. think so because she seemed to get off of him real quick. Like oh, even yeah. when they were all alive, yeah. uh, she seemed. She already, uh, she already friend zoned him before he died. Man. She sure did. Oh yeah. Before he died, like, like weeks before he died, she oh, was in the She's zone. like, uh, I'm going back with Ollie, and we slept together, and we're together. Can oh, I? Use can your I use your helicopter? <laughs> yeah, I, I remember that episode. Can I go rescue him too? I mean, <laughs> helicopter. Uh, yeah, my, I my forgot. Boyfriend is my old boyfriend. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I'm leaving you for. I mean, I told you we were just friends, but those I mean, first episodes sealed her death. Yeah. He was happy. He was in Pleasantville. He was making cast. I mean, he was like, like, like making chef food. He probably like had a pampered chef party at the house. Chef I don't food. know. <laughs> <laughs> he was chef food. I'm just or saying. What, what if they do this and no one dies and they have to fake her death because of something? The infamous we fake deaths in Arabi could be. <laughs> Great. And that still keeps them from being together. Have I just messed up your whole entire world? Yes. <laughs> so sorry. I'm really not. But I'm just going to say at this beginning of the season, Felicity Smoke is gone. Well, Chad would just leave the show. If it, you know, if that happens, he's just gone. Oh, yeah, I'm just done. Me and Daryl hanging out. It'd just be uh, us yeah. talking because he'd just yeah. leave. He'd he would just, he I wouldn't mean, stop I, screaming. Unless <laughs> the reason she's leaving the show is because she's going on to another show called The Chub Toad Show. Oh, wow. The show in his mind. That you ever see is... King of Comedy by Martin Scorsese? <laughs> yeah. I don't like that. <laughs> He's got a basement with a lot of cardboard Only cutouts and like screen. a couch and stuff. And Only a more camera. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I had really quit watching Downton Abbey, and I know that's like the whitest of all the white shows, oh. and it's shocking, but I literally stopped watching it when they killed the main dude it was going to see his baby on Christmas Eve, and he died in this tragic car crashes, and cars were barely even. Oh, up. no, but that sets up so much good stuff for later seasons. Uh, yeah, I do, uh, all right, whoa, you know, whoa, whoa. Hey, Play yo, pump the brakes. In the corner, Jerry. Pump the brakes. This is not a Downton Abbey podcast. <laughs> not doing Downton Abbey. You guys can go have your own little Downton Abbey podcast somewhere else. And it won't this be on a Downton Abbey podcast. So pump the brakes on that, and we want to talk Arrow. That's cool. But, but you leave that down and have your stuff in the door, okay? Trouble child. Stop it! 
please. As I was saying. As I was saying, Felicity <laughs> went to go check with Curtis to show the T-Sphere. And uh, she'd had Curtis look at the playing card that Double Down left behind. And he figures out it's not a card. It's actually, like, his skin. And that he'd be able to, like, not only would we be, you know, he'd be able to, we'd be able to trace him through that. He'd be more likely to be able to trace us through the card. And as soon as he says this, who's there? Of course he is. But Double Down. Yeah, you know, they don't lock doors there either. They don't lock doors at Palmer Tech either, no. No. They escape through a, a hidden uh, elevator that she has that goes right down to the Arrow Cave. But a Double Down follows somehow. I don't know how that happened either. Like what they don't it? lock no doors. Like he was on the top of the building with them, and then they use a secret elevator to go down to the sub basement, and then he he's immediately tracked. there. He's immediately there. He's like, "Boom, I'm here." Yeah. Well, it was a bit thin, but he was. They did set it up in the prior scene, saying that basically he can track his own DNA. Yeah, but can't they skin. set up that they have security? Well, I know. I'm just saying, though. It makes sense. I mean, it makes Retina sense they found them. It's just, the only thing is how quick he found them. I, it's, I was going to say, I does know. he have super speed to get 30 floors down? I'm saying. Maybe. I can does. see if he can come out of the card. Like, if there's some way he can he can come out of the card if it's an Ooh, extension. That would have been cool. Himself. That would have been an awesome scene. But they didn't set that up. No. For realism, really? Hmm? Are you watching a superhero show for realism? No, but it I just seemed like he was locked. there. I just, I just want a door to be locked every now and then. Yeah, a door, oh, especially the Arrow Cave. It seems like everybody walks into there, man. When the characters start complaining about doors not being locked, I mean, that's that's when you need to be <laughs> right. about it. That's when you're realizing you're watching a fictional superhero <laughs> TV show. So anyway, Felicity blind fires to, to get um, Double Down out of there. No, um, no. Holt knocks so, himself no. out with a lamp. <laughs> and then sets a fire that sends Double Down running, pretty much. Oliver and Diggle return, and boy, he they passed. He hit the uh, fire extinguisher, right? Didn't the cold kind of hurt him? I thought I thought it was a lighting fixture that like set, uh, set something on fire. Something hit you. him. It's like a spark or something. Yeah. So I thought something hit him. Okay. Um, the, the bromance is slowly returning between Ollie and Diggle. If they're working through it. Um... And, yes, they're working through it. Yes. <laughs> more, you know, and some protein. A little bit more uh, conversation. They track double down, and he's fleeing out of town. Hey, yeah. they yeah. And they uh, they wait for they literally like wait for him in the middle of the street. They just stand as there as a team. As a team, they're waiting for him. Right. And um, double down stops the car. He tries to do his thing, and uh, but they uh, they bind his arms, so he isn't able to throw the car as easily. Yeah. They roll over the car at the same time. Oliver goes right. over the hood, and he goes over the back. In of the sink. In sink as a team. And then uh, they, they uh, as you know, they're apprehending double down. He throws one last card, and instead of Diggle taking it in the chest, Oliver takes it for him. But in the uh, Kevlar, but the Kevlar protects him. So there literally used to be a time when he would take a bullet for him, and there yes. still is. Now there's a time he'll take a Metahuman's card for it's him. Still, it still counts. <laughs> it still counts. That's he what Nichols said. Nichols said. It still counts. counts. So even though they lost their arrow cave, um, Oliver says he has a new, he has a surprise for them. Um, I'm thinking that big apartment that him and Thea live in is going to end yes. up being the new arrow cave. 
Meanwhile, on Laurel and Thea's wonderful spa excursion to Nanda Parabat, they uh, they take Sarah's body there, and Laurel demands they use the, the pit. And uh, you know, of course, Merlin is there, the new Rachel Ghoul, and they have this great scene with him and, and Nissa fighting. Mm-hmm. And, he, and he's like, I love sparring. I'm not sparring. He goes, I know. That's right. what makes it fun. To remind you, in case you forgot, of the total animosity those characters mm-hmm. have for one another. Mm-hmm. It's pretty um, effective. The fight scene was pretty beautiful. It was. Yeah, it was. Well choreographed, too. I mean, John Berriman yeah. really like, is good yeah. with the fight choreography. Um, Thea fi- wants to also find out about why she's acting the way she's been acting. It turns out when you come out of the Lazarus pit, you have what, uh, this bloodlust where you have to... You have the insatiable need to kill someone. Happens. I feel that need. I felt that need a lot when I was the you know, head chef of a restaurant. Oh, I bet. Several customers. Yeah, I, bet. <laughs> I felt that need for yeah. That's oh, I must it. have fallen into a Lazarus pit. I feel yeah. the need to kill you. But anyway, I'm saying you know she's refusing to give in to the bloodlust, even though uh, Merlin sets up a thing, you know, lies to her about a sage that could heal her, and then uh, and sets up a t- an attack. He gets me every time because I wanted to believe him too. Yeah. Well, so did she. I mean, there's a dude on a mountain. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Dude on a mountain. I get you. I believe it. Nope. Nope. Psych. Uh, meanwhile, Laurel uh, puts uh, Sarah into the pit. Merlin's kind of. Uh, uh, he seemed like he wanted to see what would happen. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, yeah. I'm gonna put that in and see what happens. You know, I thought it would be Rigid Dragon. <laughs> I did. I really thought that the man on the mountain would be Rigid Dragon. That would have been cool. Somebody, you know, like to train, like she would be working with him, training with him for a little while, yeah. Or something like that, yeah. Yeah, that would be cool. Anyway, um, they dip Sarah in the pool, and she's wearing, like, biker pants and a corset. (laughs) Yeah, that's what what they buried her in. (laughs) It was kind of odd. I mean, don't get me wrong, don't get me wrong. I like Katie Lots in that outfit, okay? I'm just saying, is that what you buried your sister in? Well, did, she, did she die in that? Oh, didn't so. she die in a in a? Well, she died in... No, she died in her canary outfit. Oh. Wow. Anyway, they dip her in the pool, and she just comes out like feral, kind right. of and crazy, and, like trying to attack Laurel, and doesn't recognize anyone. Just kind of like an animal. Um, Thea tells Merlin that she's going to resist the bloodlust. She's not going to kill anyone, any anyone ever again. <laughs> and we get the scene where Laurel tries to con- communicate with Sarah, mm-hmm. uh, but is unable to because Sarah, like I said, is almost like an animal she mind. Has no soul. And then the um, one of the guards comes in to get Merlin, fetch Merlin. They come back, and Nissa has destroyed the Lazarus pit. Oof! She turned it into like dry ice, smoky. Which is a callback to uh, the comics because she did that in the comics. She destroyed all the Lazarus pits. Right before she killed her father, she's you know, and then she tells uh, Merlin that when she finally does get around to killing him, there won't be any way he'll come back. Right. So I guess this is when we call Constantine to get her soul. I'm thinking that might be the the. See, they're, they're either oh, calling. Yeah. Well, look, they're either calling Constantine for that or to help them with Dark, or both. Oh yeah, or both. Or I mean, both. Yeah. Oh, and maybe to also help yeah. Thea as well. Yeah, Joy, you said Jerry. Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you tap him? I mean, his show failed, but or didn't succeed. But yeah, you've got all these other DC properties open. Why wouldn't you tap Constantine? Well, we know he's coming. It's just the point of what's the reason. Right. So, right. That would be a good reason. Totally. So, 
That's your episode of Arrow. Cool. I'll That's go first this time. I gave it a 3.5. I thought it was a pretty average to above average episode. Uh-huh. I thought the stuff with, you know, the angst with Diggle has gone on a little long, so I'm glad they yes. finally got to be bromance again. <laughs> um, I want to see how this, all this stuff plays out with Sarah and Nissa right. and Laurel and all them and Thea. And uh, I, I don't know. I just thought it was good, you know, decent episode. wasn't a blockbuster, you know, must must watch, must you know, can't miss episode. Yeah. It wasn't a real, you know, failure. It was just, you know, very good. So, yeah. three point five. I give it a three. I think it was it was it was good enough for this show uh, to get back on track. I mean, certain things had to happen. You know, getting Sarah back and and uh, getting over this thing with Diggle. And uh, I'm missing more. You know what? I'm, I'm missing more of the fights, the the martial arts in in the show that it used to have. It doesn't it doesn't seem to have it as much as it used to. The training sequences. Yeah, I'm missing the training sequences too. Like <laughs> they kind of get away from that to do more of the explosions and the the meta fighting and the you know. Yeah, I thought it was pretty average as well. I mean, I liked it, but. It's like Jim said; they drug the romance or the the lack of bromance out way too long. Um, lock some doors. <laughs> lock doors. Yeah, I don't know. There there were just some little things here and there, but there were so many things that were were good as well. I I, I give it a B minus. I'll give it a B. I mean, I, I like the way Diggle and and Arrow had to finally hash their shit out for real, but. And there was a good fight scene in there, but I don't know. I didn't feel good about the whole episode. I didn't see. I, I, I guess I was kind of ambivalent towards most of the whole thing. I was just trying to see how. I think my only joyful moment was the T-spheres. And I was like, hey. And that was like kind of a little nerd moment. But then I was thinking in the back of my head, if I had never read anything, if I didn't know anything about these characters, would I give two f- um, Anyway. <laughs> I can't help it about <laughs> about these silver things. Probably not. Yeah, you I mean, it, was. it was fun for insiders. Would it be fun for me if I had no frame of reference? Maybe not so much. So I'll give it a B. I mean, I did. I do agree. All these things were necessary to go from the the pleasant feel that Arrow and Felicia were in, and then go to the you know, tragedy that is the city now. So I get that. It wasn't fun for me to transition. I guess it wasn't supposed to be, but I I didn't seriously enjoy the episode. And thank you for having me on, minus Daryl. Oh, thanks for being on. You can listen to Jerry on the show. I voted against this. (laughs) Sweet, you boys have fun. (laughs) Thanks. Good night. Okay. I still vote against it. Let's let's go. Let's go to iZombie. <laughs> All right. Real Dead Housewife of Seattle. Oh yeah. Uh, episode three. And uh, there was some. We get another uh, um, you know, episode of Major's Bad Decisions. We'll get to that in a minute. <laughs> yes. Actually, um, they peppered this whole show with Major's Bad. Decisions. There were several yes, Major's Bad Decisions. There was one in particular I'm referring to though. Um, that was quite a bad decision. The brain of the week belongs to a uh, a rich, pampered housewife <laughs> who uh, gets uh, who is uh, a, a real estate guy shows up at her, her house and 
uh, is trying to talk her into selling. He's like, you know, may I at least see the view? And he grabs her, and they fight, and they fall off the balcony hundreds of feet below. Different yards. type of intro this time. Yeah, yeah. Very much so. Um, the, uh, they find the body at the bottom, as I said, the bottom of the view. Uh, Liv eats, uh, was it tuna salad this time with brain? I think yes. It was tuna salad and tomato. Yes. With brains. Delightful. It didn't look that bad, actually. And she all of a sudden becomes like a posh, rich housewife. She um, sure did. Very fashion conscious, you know, um, doing things like, um, these aren't really walking shoes. These are more like sitting shoes. <laughs> very emotional. I love when they're questioning the one, and she's like, is that a whatever purse? Oh, yeah. Well, it totally makes you look like you're not a suspect. Yeah. <laughs> It was uh, it was pretty cool, and uh, it tur- and it turns out that this woman who uh, they're, they're, whose death they're investigating has some huge ties to Max Rager, including sleeping with uh, the head of Max Rager. Mm-hmm. Who's I can't remember the character's name. I know it's Stephen Weber. Let me look up the. Uh, I'll find out the character's name. It's Vaughn. It's Vaughn, maybe something Vaughn, something so. Saint Vaughn. I don't know. He's funny, though. Vaughn Duclark. Vaughn Duclark. Uh, we found out she was having an affair with Vaughn Duclark from Liv's, um, you know, visions. But um, you know, she denies it. Uh, they confront the husband with the fact that she was having an affair with Vaughn Duclark. And the husband goes ballistic and, like, crashes a, um, a coffee table and, like, starts wrecking stuff off in the distance. Yes. Uh, it was pretty funny. I mean, doesn't this guy watch any episodes of CSI or anything? I mean, come on. The cops are going going to find out that you already knew. It happens every time. After they interview the woman's friends and they interview her, um, uh, you know, her quote-unquote friends, and then they interview Vaughn himself, and she ends up, like, throwing a drink at him and, and storming this, out. That was a good scene. Well, you can tell that the, the showrunners, who they both do comedy, by the way, the showrunners know how to make fun of every single uh, celebrity housewife thing. You know, right. all those shows. Like, they, they, all the jokes that were peppered in, I didn't get tired of it. Like, I never got tired of them making fun of these, you know, these reality shows. Because they are funny when you make fun of them. Yes, funny indeed. Yeah. Um, the As she's uh, storming out of Vaughn's office, who does she run into but... Major, Major, who's working at Max Rager now, and they have a little uh, tiff, as it were, and uh, she, you know, she storms out and leaves, and Major goes into his workout. Um, he doesn't let on what he's really doing, though. He says right. he's there as a personal trainer. He does a high quality workout. Get it? High. High quality workout. Ah. Uh... Meanwhile, Major is indeed still killing people. Mm-hmm. Uh, he tracks down a guy in an elevator and kind of has the, the you know the hairs go up on his neck or or what have you, and then ends up locking him in the the trunk of his car and taking his dog. It's that music, it's just, what? that music when you got to kill somebody. Yeah, and then he turned it up so you don't have yeah. to listen to the guy in the <laughs> trunk. It's tragic and funny at the same time because he doesn't want to do this, right? But uh, he feels like he has to, and he's stuck. The uh, Liv, with her new persona, becomes fast friends with uh, 
the dead woman's husband's stylist, and you know, they end up uh, you know becoming BFFs, and they go shopping together. And as they're shopping together, they figure out that it is she who is indeed the killer, having strung out this um, car radio repair guy or whatever to try to kill this woman uh, for her, mm-hmm. and so she could get all of her sugar daddy's money. Oh. We kind of get why it took so long for uh, Liv to get what was going on with this particular case is because she her birthday, right, was yeah. coming up and she was feeling really alone and detached because Clive doesn't go up. Clive, I, I'm ready for Clive. Got he got to give up what's going on with him because there's something there's something yeah there's something there's something going on and he's always busy. He always pushes her away. like he never wants to connect with anybody. Like he doesn't hang out. He doesn't really have many friends on the force. There's something going on with Clive that keeps him that way. Right. So they eventually it has to come up like a decent backstory there. I think yeah, a decent backstory. And Ravi he hooked up with the girl at the club. <laughs> that he got high with. Um, so he's kind of been in his own thing uh, doing that. And so they, she she feels alone. She feels like no one, you know, you know her mother. You know how her mother and her brother feels. Right. So she, she's really, you know, been struggling. We also get this uh, cool bit with Ravi where he's talking about how much he needs on his new date. And uh, mm-hmm. as soon as he's talking about that, they see Peyton being appointed the head of the anti-utopian Task Force Dang. on TV after disappearing like three months ago at the end uh-huh. you know, before the end of season one left the country. Um, I don't know. It was, it was pretty funny, but anyway, when Liv finds out the um the the the, the woman that she's shopping with is the killer, uh-huh. they run. They have a chase on high, in high really high heels through yeah. the boutique, and then he t- she tackles her into a display, and the salesman's like. Uh, just so you know, I called the police. To which Liv says, "I am the police. We're close enough." Right? Did I miss something, or did they just not show? What was it that let her on that Liv was onto her? She probably heard her. Probably heard the, probably heard oh, she whispered. Yeah. I figured. I'd really assumed that she had heard her when she was talking. We also got to see Liv go full zombie. Yeah. Yes. Uh, as she's fighting uh, Harmony, you know, she smacks her, and then Liv like gets mad and gets the red eyes and smacks her a few a few good hard times yeah. and knocks her out. Sure did. She lucky she she came out of it. She yeah, was... it looked like she was struggling to come out of it there for a second. And then when we see that um the 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 murderer in the next scene, she has a big old bruise on her face, and she's mm-hmm. like, "Keep her away from me." You know, she's afraid of her. Right. Um. While all this is going on, Major is, of course, working out at Max Rager, uh, doing Utopium and working out. Because, mm-hmm. you know, drugs and, and health. Idiot. That goes together. Drugs and health go together. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, Red, we keep calling her Red. Her name is Gilda. All right. We find out in this episode she's actually Von Duclark's daughter. Yup. A legitimate daughter. And what yeah, kind of conversation? Yeah, that threw me for a loop. That threw me for a what? huge loop. Because I'm just like, but you were just, wait, ugh. And she hates, they hate each other, though. I mean, it's, it's yeah. visibly there that they hate each other. It is cool that they finally explain how she fits, though. Exactly. Like, where she, like yeah. where she fits in the picture. Like, Because you get a feeling that they're not sexually involved. No, they're definitely not. There was not, I didn't get that kind of vibe from them You at don't all. get that vibe. So you're like, okay, if they're not sexually involved, what is it about her that he doesn't kill her for knowing too much info? Because he's not above... Well, as we see at the end of this episode, he's not above like 
taking someone downstairs and then never coming back. Exactly. And she's like yeah. disobeyed him and actually told him he was wrong at times and not she's still working. Well, I think she's going to end up turning on him. I think so too. I think Major is going to make her turn. Yeah. And and I just have to say to the costume person for this episode and to the inventor of yoga pants, thank you. <laughs> anyway, um Gilda comes in and starts working out in the same workout room as Major. Mm-hmm. Um, she says she just wanted a good exercise ball. And then mm-hmm. uh, they uh, they go at it. They go at it right there in the um, in the workout room. It may be but, a dumb decision, but I don't blame him. But I just, what I assume is that she heard, she knows that her uh, zombie... Um, uh, her roommate. roommate is is used to be involved with Major, and so she, there's something about Major she likes because as soon as her father said what he said to her, it upset her. Like that, there, it seemed like her reaction was she needed to connect with somebody. Or I don't, I don't know how I might be reading too much into it, but I think it wasn't like he wanted her to go down there and do that. I think she automatically. In her mind, because she really was upset of, or her, at her father, that she wanted to, she just wanted to be with him. She needed to be with somebody. Well, it adds a whole other dimension to Major's connection to the whole Max Ranger thing as well. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, before yeah, they right. were just, well, before he was more of a blackmail victim, right? Uh, hunting these guys down to kind of keep Liv safe. Mm-hmm. Now he's like fully invested because he's, you know, banging Gilda. Right, even when yeah. he threw out there, when she threw out there to Major that uh, you know what he wanted to do in the beginning, which just invite everybody that he, they suspected and knowing that there are people in there that weren't infected and just kill everyone. And right. it looks like she probably was the one who nodded at him to me, nudged him a little bit to maybe do it this way. This would right. be a better way to do it. Yeah, maybe. The... um. Am I wrong in in Major still doesn't know that she's masquerading as Liv's nope. roommate, right? Nope. So because I'm so. waiting for that to happen where he comes walking in, right. you know, shows up at Liv's and she's there. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it's coming. It helps that they don't talk to each other right now. They're mad at each right. other. Right. Yeah. That's that's all helps. Yeah, he'll probably show up there looking for Gilda. Mm-hmm. He's getting real sloppy now with getting high. I mean, even in the yeah. last minute when when uh, he was getting him dinner to go upstairs, he, he kind of acted a little funny. Right. When he was talking to them. So I, I could see more of Major decline and uh, start to do very stupid things. So the lesson, kids, from DC TV podcast is don't do drugs. <laughs> drugs are bad. Yes. Yep. And don't um, go out thinking you're going to kill zombies on your own when the police don't believe you. Yeah, that too. That causes problems. We uh, we 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 cut back to uh, Liv at home. She's uh, all sad because it's her birthday, and yeah. it turned out her new bestie is a killer, mm-hmm. and nobody remembered her birthday, and she's mm-hmm. all alone. And then she opens up the fridge, and there's a birthday cake. It says "Happy Birthday, Liv" on it. Yeah, and left there by Peyton. She still loves her. Still and Peyton shows up at Ravi and Major's place, and uh, talks to Ravi. 
you know, apologizes for disappearing. Mm-hmm. Asks for a hug. And to know about his date. And they both admit they know about the zombie thing. Yeah. Very weird to react to that. Yeah. Although they don't really, she doesn't really say it out loud. You know, she goes, right. I saw something that, she, you know, I had to, you know, mm-hmm. go throw down. He's like, oh, I think I know what you're talking about. Right. And he, then she said, does he know too, meaning major. Right. And he's still sorting it out himself. Right. And she says that explains a lot, meaning that he's been acting really funny. Yeah, it doesn't explain it all, lady. Just no. wait. No. But, uh, yeah, another great episode of... Uh, oh, the, the very in the last uh, scene, we see Vaughn uh, meeting with uh, the, the, the the murdered woman's husband. Yeah, the idiot. Uh, yeah, and he's like, uh, you, 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 you messed with the wrong guy. You, know, you slept with my wife or whatever. Mm-hmm. So he takes him downstairs to this, like, secret lab. Idiot. And he walks in this room, and there's a chair, and he's like, oh, Dr... Idiot. This doctor. How <laughs> did he not see what was coming? <laughs> by and, and then he like ends up walking out of the room and locking idiot in it. Uh huh. And here comes a zombie to eat him. Idiot. So he has his own like zombie in a cage uh, downstairs. Mm-hmm. In the Max Ranger building. Yeah. The guy you just tell that I'm gonna take away your company. I'm I'm pretty much gonna take away your company and fire. Well, I know I didn't tell anyone I was coming here. Why? No. <laughs> and Why do you when ask? you tell me to go down into the basement, sure I'll go down to the down there secret basement. You? Sure. To the secret basement no one knows about. Sure, I'll put my head in the oven. Nothing's oh, gonna happen. Sure. I'll leave the room. I'll let you leave the room, and I'll just stand here when it's a torture device right in front of me. Sure. Awesome. So, yeah. zombie, what do you think? Uh I, I really, it's really getting, it's really getting into it now. I mean, everything oh, yeah. is coming together with Peyton being part of the the task force takedown. Anybody doing drugs, which you know, Major's gonna be stupid enough to get caught up in. At the same time that he's now he's sleeping with the the big baddie's daughter and. Now live and oh, it's just live is really gonna be feel is really gonna feel betrayed by this by all of this. I mean, when that finally comes out, and who knows what Peyton is gonna how she's gonna react to this because she still hasn't talked to to live about it. And Clyde, man, somebody gotta find out what Clyde's deal is. <laughs> yeah, because Clive is, is good the dude, deal with Clyde? Yeah, because Clive is a good dude. But <laughs> what is the deal? He don't want to with be Clyde. Yeah, Clyde, what's your problem, man? What's the deal with Clyde? <laughs> I need to know, man. I need to know what the deal is with Clyde. Cause you yeah, know, dude, he, there's got to be something else there. You yeah, because I mean? you've been a little bit. I mean, grouchy's one thing. Angry grouchy black man is one thing. I got that. Well, you got to remember too. He's still investigating the whole meat cute explosion and thing, and and all that stuff, even though the case is closed. Yeah. You know, so I he's definitely yeah, he tries doing to ask, stuff behind. He tries to ask Major about this episode. And Major's like, right. "Oh, you're working in what the closed and solved case file?" Right. Yeah. So. But even before that, every time she would try to, you know get a handout to bring him in, you know, like to kind of get to know him a little bit, ask him about himself and stuff. He would, you know, push back automatically. 
Any... Well, I think there's still going to be something dark from his whole. There's got to be when he worked officer. When he worked the other, remember he he left. Uh, what was he in? Narcotics or something? Yeah, he was a narcotics officer. Right. It's something had to have happened in narcotics to affect the way he is because he seems to really be closed off to people. I guess we'll find but out. But I I love his I, I love his facial expressions though when Liv says. Oh yeah, that. like he has the bit. The best response, like his eyes. Had Better just... use those walking shoes to walk on <laughs> over to the car. And he's like, "What? Like just, just all the facial expressions that he gives are priceless. Like you, no one makes a. a, a there's no word about it. you. Just go back and and if you rewind it, every time she says something crazy, don't look at her. Look at Clive. Oh yeah, it's and you will crack up. Good job. Good episode though. Yeah, I give this episode a four. It was cool. It advanced the Max Rager storyline a little more. Yeah, um, it, I don't know, it brought back Peyton. It, I liked the the way uh, Liv played off the brain that she ate. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was a solid episode. So four. Yeah, yeah, I gotta yeah. give it a four too. Yeah, I work. agree. I, it's a it's a solid A, and I give Gilda's yoga pants an A plus. Creepy corner. <laughs> Welcome to Chub Toad's Creepy Corner, where Chub Toad makes it creepy just for a minute. <laughs> this week, yoga pants. There really hasn't been a whole lot of DCTV news since we recorded no. last, because we've uh, all of geekdom has been overthrown by this thing called the Star Wars. Yeah. I, uh, I've, I've heard of it. I think I'm familiar with Star Wars just a little did, bit. Did um, we cover Paul Rubens last week? We yeah. did. We mentioned okay. Paul Rubens. Because that's the only thing I can think of. The only thing we yeah. know of is that what they have been doing is they're all the the CW, the well, just the DC TV shows in general have been doing, um, putting up like video for the next episode to you know let you know if you haven't been watching it live. Um, so we know that they did show scenes of uh, Jason Rush being introduced into the DC TV universe. So we get to see that in Flash. Jason Rush was already in Flash. No, but I mean, he's really getting introduced as... as... Because uh, he's the one who came with... He came to um, Caitlin with the, the stuff yeah, all about, about um, Dr. Yeah. Stein. Yeah, but he Firestorm. gets introduced as Firestorm actually in in the next episode. Oh, okay, cool. Oh, okay. They show it like in the in the trailer for the. I guess the biggest news will be Supergirl premiering. Yeah. Monday. She is so like I I she is so sweet. I heard her in a podcast um, not a couple days ago. She did a, a podcast where they let people you know interview over the you know phone or whatever or Skype, and it was. Uh, and she was talking about the show, and I mean, she still she she gives off the vibes like uh, uh, Grant from uh, Flash gives off the vibes, mm-hmm. and just like uh, also from Arrow, like how they how much they love what they do. They love being a part of these shows. Yeah. They're not embarrassed by it. They're not you know they don't they embrace it. You know the the embrace. Well, why wouldn't they? Fandom. Yeah. Well, you know, there's some actors that get a little too caught up in you know take a little bit too serious and they don't have fun with it at all which is crazy because you've you've signed on to be an entertainer and you're doing something that's entertaining millions of people making them happy why would you 
you know that, that bugs me about certain actors. And I think to be honest, I mean, to be fair, I think um, when you have actors of the caliber of like Ian McKellen or Patrick Stewart or a you know or, or Ben Affleck even you know playing superheroes, it adds more legitimacy. Mm-hmm. To that yeah. kind of thing. I mean, oh, yeah. when 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 you have Academy Award, uh, you know, uh, level acting and writing and directing in superhero films, then it really like adds. You know, I know what you're saying. Somebody, oh, I won't do superhero movies or whatever. But I mean, I mean, crap. Some of the best actors out there: Benicio del Toro, or Michael mm-hmm. Douglas, you know, Glenn Close. You know, the list goes on and on. Or and those are just Marvel movies. You know. Um, Jeremy Irons, you know, was going, mm-hmm. and Michael Caine, you know, I mean, I mean, to to think that, I don't know, for, for I think it's really like kind of wrongheaded for them to think that way, you know. And some actors just don't know how to handle interaction with the. There's some actors who just they just want to do the performance and go to the next thing. They don't. They're not very good with the public. Like they just don't. Well, and they need to catch up. I mean, because I mean, even look at the changing of television. It used to be a movie actor would never do television. I mean, if they did, it was well, very well, rare. And now they're they're being drawn to it. And I well, mean, social I think media of, has changed yeah. everything. Well, that, that's true. But that, I also think these like ten, thirteen episode like seasons or mm-hmm. mini series and stuff. Um, I just listened to Kirsten Dunst on the Nerdist where she was, you know, in this season of Fargo. And, it, you know, she's like, I, television is hard. But she goes, you know, the whole thing was is I was doing one season and it was like shooting a movie. Um, the hardest part was just different directors, you know, mm-hmm. getting used to it. But, you know, it, the whole face of entertainment has well it's not and it's not just performing on doing your role and then and then that's it It, it's not like that anymore like old school you know actors did that and then moved but now it's uh when you when you get a job on a show you gotta or a movie your agent in the studio is telling you you better create a twitter account (laughs) and you have to do certain things you know on instagram and they want you to, you know, they want you to interact with with um, fans and stuff with with this. You know, they they encourage it. Not only encourage it, but sometimes they demand it. Like you are respond. Part of your gig, getting this gig, is that you have to be able to, you know, you have to be uh, able to go online and talk to people and, and not be. Standoffish. Well, yeah, it used to be a lot of the actors, the talent didn't have to. Um, they had no nothing to do with marketing or selling what they were doing they mm-hmm. just it was a job but yeah they can't do that anymore yeah it's just, and and i love the ones like nathan fillion and Stephen amell and grant gustin and all them that you know they they don't just do it they love doing it right. they well they're guys that are fandom and they get and they actually happen to be actors and they're but right, if they right. weren't actors they'd still be in into certain things you know yeah, excellent. But yeah, I know I'm psyched for Supergirl. Uh, I mean, we we've seen the pilot already. We talked about it on a previous yeah. episode. But I'm um, excited to see where it goes from there. Yeah, so, I'm ready. I, I guess yeah. we could talk about it again next week. <laughs> I guess. Well, that's I was wondering if we were going to, but I'm also kind of curious because I'm not going to go back and listen to our episode. I'm just wondering after watching it again this week if, you know. Well, you know what I would want? I want everybody to, instead of us talking about it again like we already did, 
why not we ask for people to send in emails and and re- and uh, respond on the Facebook page, and we'll read your responses. That that's how we'll cover the Supergirl. What a great idea! It's a good idea. So you can email us at what's the email for for DCTV Podcast at gmail.com. So definitely email us, email us, and and uh, or send us Twitter, uh, you know, feedback to uh, what's the what's the Twitter? You know, uh, it's at DCTV underscore podcast. And so let us know. We look forward to, to hearing what other people think about it that didn't get a chance to see the pilot. I'm going to try to live tweet it that night. We'll see what happens though. If you remind me, because I'm old and I don't remember. I will uh, be along with you and, and help along with the live tweet stuff. I'm going to be watching it live with my yeah. daughter. Because it's easy. It'll be easier for this because I have I've already seen it enough times. I saw it twice already, right. so I won't mind. It, it won't even matter to me to miss certain things, and I can tweet while the show goes. That's why I was saying about live tweeting it, but instead of talking about it again next week. Yeah. Um. So I think that's what I'm going to do. But I mean. If, we could always just cut and paste what we talk, what we said a few weeks ago. That's what I'm saying. So, what we'll do is and now we'll edit in that part. And we'll what we'll do is we'll we'll po- we'll keep posting the Twitter and stuff to to kind of to get people to know you know like to to remind people what the Twitter is and then they can Twitter us and and all that kind of stuff. So definitely jump on the Twitters and follow us on 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 Twitter, um, and we can tweet the show together. If I'm able to watch it live, I'll jump in too. So. Sweet. Well, so until next week, until we have five shows to talk about. Um, yes. Five active DC TV shows. Uh, thank you, gentlemen, for joining me. And thank you for Jerry for being our special guest. Appreciate you coming along. Yes. And uh, until next time, we are Ghost. Good night, everybody. Night. Good night. Good night.